Thank you for listening to the Prevention Podcast brought to you by Casa Trinity. Hope begins here. Our guest for this very first episode is Christina Olivano, Tioga County Prevention Supervisor. We talk with Christina about prevention as a service, what it is, how it's changed, and her ideas and recommendations for stress management. If you enjoy this episode, please rate and review it and be sure to share it on social media. Let's spread the word and get these resources out into the community. Christina, thank you so much for uh, being a guest here on the Prevention Podcast. Um, why don't we start with just uh, an introduction of yourself and the communities that you serve? Yeah, hi, thank you. Uh, so I'm, my name is Christina Olivano, and I am the Prevention Services Supervisor in Tioga County, New York. Uh, I also am the Project Director of our Prevention Coalition, Tioga ASAP. I've been working for Casa Trinity for over six years, and I have been working in Tioga County in some uh, substance misuse, prevention, education, health, uh, community health role for 15 years. And I think today we, we really want to focus on that prevention piece and that education piece, especially. Um, I understand you're a certified yoga instructor and, um, you know, you work in mindfulness and the kinds of things that we might do um, to put our mind at ease, um, which, you know, without those things could be an opportunity for people to find other substances that might otherwise do that. Um, can you talk a little bit about your, your kind of day-to-day work in prevention and coping and, um, the types of things that you're working on in that regard? Yeah, sure. So, well, in prevention, I always say no, two days are the same. Um, we, prevention is really a large, umbrella term for so many different things, right? So um, one of the things that we focus on and that we do as part of our work here is um, school, school-based education, school support. Um, currently we have in Tioga County and in some of the other uh, prevention departments as well, we have a school-based prevention specialists. So we have prevention specialists that are housed in school districts. And this is, you know, what they do is they educate, they support um, school and school staff and students. Um, so as part of that, you know, one of the the things that prevention talks about addressing is risk and protective factors. So we look at the things really like if you dig deep, like under, like you have a tree, right? And you dig deep to the roots that's the risk and protective factor. So prevention looks at the roots of problems, right? You're preventing, meaning you're trying to stop something from happening right mm-hmm. before it happens. So we put on sunscreen to prevent sunburn. We brush our teeth to prevent cavities. When we talk about preventing risky behaviors like substance misuse, school dropout, uh, uh, adolescent, teenage pregnancies, uh, violence, you know, any of those risky uh, type behaviors have some of the same root causes. Mm. So when we look at risk and protective factors, we're looking at those underlying causes. 
protective factors are things that build sort of a protective wrap or bubble wrap around um, a youth, a person that would protect them from negative things that uh, helps to support a positive, you know, outcome. So an example of a protective factor would be mm-hmm. having a, a strong connection to a supportive adult as a youth in your life. That would mm-hmm. be a protective factor. Being involved in school and community efforts, that's a protective factor. When we look at risk factors, those are things that would increase the likelihood of you know, negative outcomes. So uh, an example of a risk factor that we look at is um, like having community norms or school, like so in a school, that is a community, school community, right? So if mm-hmm. there's norms that um, don't support like uh, well-being, right? Mm-hmm. Then that would be a risk factor. Or mm-hmm. if there's community wide, like you're the community that you live in, if there's laws and norms that support, um, when I say support, I just mean like there, there might not be things that prevent that from happening. So a community law and norm that supports alcohol use, it doesn't mean that people are out here saying to kids, you know, drink all you want. It means that maybe the risk in that is the norm is it's acceptable. It's available. Mm Mm-hmm kids know where they can go will use a fake ID or not get ID'd at all. It's, it's those type of things. Or maybe there's just not signage or active practice to enforce mm-hmm. a law or a rule. And that can also be uh, a risk factor. So just in, in the broad sense of things, you know, when we talk about prevention and years ago, when I first started doing this work and you talked about substance misuse prevention and education, a lot of it was like, you know, just say no to drugs. Drugs are bad. Like mm-hmm. uh, you're, uh, maybe some people listening might remember the "This is your brain on drugs" commercial. Oh yeah, fried egg in the pan. Yeah. So a lot of prevention messaging was really just that. It was like, don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. It's going to fry mm-hmm. your brain. Like, don't do them. Um. So when I first started doing this work, there was still a good amount of that, and I think there was there was and maybe sometimes still is a misperception about what prevention is and it is addressing so many different things so Mm -hmm. tying this into like our day-to-day work our day-to-day work is in you know looking at these underlying causes and then using supports research science uh, prevention is a science-based field that mm-hmm. we use a uh, strategic prevention framework and we work through, um, we have evidence-based research-based programming that we use. So that's one way, one thing that we do, but it's not just say no. Right. So yeah, um, a lot of yeah. the work that we do in schools is supporting social emotional learning with uh, evidence-based curriculum. Sure. And that is considered prevention, prevention of substance misuse. Some programs specifically have been researched for that. It feels like the more that um, we zoom out as adults and and the farther we get away from what our own childhood was like, that um, we see more and more 
that everything starts to look like a risk factor, whether it's um, cell phone use or the types of people that your kids might be hanging out with or the places they want to go, the movies they want to watch. Um, of course, that's not necessarily realistic that everything is a risk factor, um, but uh, it can be scary. I think the landscape for raising children today can be kind of scary. Um, and uh you know, I loved what you talked about in terms of um, having support and in terms of, you know, children being in an environment where they feel like they can ask for that. Um, what are some of the tools that you provide to to uh, youth in schools for ways that that kids can um cope themselves or ways that they can check in with themselves as sort of a tool, um, even just at the sort of minimal risk levels? Yeah. So our, like our social emotional learning curriculum that we use, uh, really starts with things like goal setting, decision making, Mm -hmm. uh, managing, identifying and managing, uh, emotions, um, like some of that self-regulatory stuff that, uh, kids need help with, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like brain development, you know, human development. They, they just, they need support. I mean, there, it is, it can be challenging for adults (laughs) to regulate, you know? So we think about, uh, kids and it's not something that has historically traditionally been been taught or looked at as a teachable skill, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll give an example. We teach kids how to uh, read by giving them short words, right? There's like the sight words and short words and Mm -hmm. one syllable words, three letter words. We teach them how to read step by step with patience generally right we don't expect that the first time we show a child a a word or two that they're going to be able to read or read all the things right (laughs) from there and um you know so we understand like it's going to take repetition uh maybe some memorization but also practice patience Mm -hmm. and skill building along the way encouragement correction when needed but we don't expect I showed you sad, mad, glad, and now you should be able to pick up a book and, and read that. Mm-hmm. The way that we tend to teach behavior skills is not that. We tend to teach behavior skills as I told you not to do this already. Stop doing it. Right. It's like sure. I told you once. I don't want to tell you again. Stop it. And when if we can flip that, which is this is part of like being able to use this curriculum with students young, like I've been in classrooms as young as kindergarten, right? And people are like, what your substance misuse prevention? Like, why are you in kindergarten? Well, because part of this emotional regulation, impulse control, learning how to effectively, you know, communicate and um, uh, regulate, like all of that is part of the protective and risk factor profile. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going in with these um, like SEL and learning and having children learn young how to use some of these coping skills and just overall good skills, you know, like we can teach behavior skills as a skill because that's what really they are. Yeah. I mean, I wish that I could say prior to 
my late 30s, early 40s, and my work becoming a yoga teacher, I would like to say that I was uh, good at regulating my emotions. But <laughs> the truth is, it's, it's, it was a challenge. And I have just gained skills over the years yeah. that have helped me. But sometimes it's still work. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. And and I think it's easy for parents especially, um, but for any of us to uh, feel like we're in a position where we either have to do the guiding for other people or we have to be guided ourselves. And it's not always natural to think, what is my plan? What am I going to do first? And especially for kids. I mean, you talked with talked about working with um, kids as young as kindergarten. They're never asked what their plan is. You know, they're never asked um, what they're going to do about things. They're always told this is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is what we're up to this weekend. This is what's going to happen when you get home from school, whatever it may be. Um, and of course, we don't want kindergartners running around choosing what they're going to eat for dinner every single night because we know that they wouldn't always be healthy choices. But I think um, that decision making and getting our minds, our brains to a point where we're in a healthy place when we're making those decisions um, is such an, an important part of the process. Um, and I love hearing you kind of talk through, you know, what that process is like for you, even at, at, at your age today. Yeah. I think too, um, you make a good point saying, you know, as, as adults, as parents, as you know, if you're a teacher, I mean, I am a parent. Parenting is, like the hardest thing so mm -hmm. hard no one mm -hmm. has a manual for you and it's there's just not a good way to be prepared for it mm -hmm. right it's like super hard teachers give them so much credit what a hard job you know like as a parent sometimes even with just one five-year-old right i'd be like ah and <laughs> teachers are some of them managing you know 25 year olds or 20 15 year olds like it's hard it's hard work and so but when you connect back to it can seem, you know, impossible or like, how do we teach kids, you know, from like ourselves? And that's really exactly what has to happen. Right. Yeah. So they the kids see they do what they see. And that's just uh, it's it's part of our brain makeup. Actually, we yeah. have something called mirror neurons. So mm it's like embedded in us to actually mirror uh, others' behaviors and reactions. Um, so Interesting. Uh, when, for example, I maybe can just um, take a deep breath in front of somebody and have them slow down their breathing. And then maybe if I take another deep breath, they might match that deep breath, right? Yeah. As opposed to telling somebody, Hey, calm down. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can I can mirror role model so that you can mirror me what what it actually looks like when you are trying to calm down, right? It's pausing, yeah. taking a deep breath. So as adults, whether it's parents or teachers or or living really, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, learning, taking it, taking that first step can oftentimes look like doing the work for ourselves, I am going to be a better parent, I'm going to be a better teacher or after school care provider or coach, 
if I can learn these skills and model these skills um, and then be able to show and not even just to say, but to show what mm-hmm. it looks like when I need to calm down and I can pull you into that uh, just naturally. I love that. that. And and I know that we've all learned the hard lesson that telling someone to calm down is never the way to get someone to calm down, no matter how old they are, or what your relationship is with them. Um, and that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it puts a lot of um, real science to it. I, I love hearing that. Um, Christina, we only have a little bit of time left, and I, I'm curious about um, people listening to this that maybe. Um, either in Tioga County or anywhere in the service area that Casa Trinity um, exists throughout upstate New York, um, where can they go to to get more information um, or to just kind of check in on, um, you know, things that might be uh, useful for them in terms of um, mindfulness and the kinds of things that we're talking about today? Yeah, so, um, well, Casa Trinity has a website, so, you know, casa-trinity.org we have a website and lots of you know connect ways to connect on there as far as you know whatever county you're in in our service area you can always reach out and connect with one of us um and we also have you know facebook as well and we we post lots of good things on there too and there's a way to connect with us and send us a message through there if someone was looking to reach out to you know casa trinity directly Otherwise, like just in a general, uh, general sense, there's so many apps, you know, there's mindfulness apps, there's just breathwork apps, mm. um, there's um, yoga, free yoga apps. One fun thing that I have is um, it's these, uh, you can look at, on Amazon and find uh, kids like classroom yoga cards and make it almost like a... Um, like a game, right? Like you can just fan them out and have maybe two kids pick, you know, a card and to do uh, a yoga pose. And you don't have to be a yoga teacher to teach that. Like you Mm -hmm. can just use it in your classroom. You could use it at home if you were a parent, you know, they have yoga, yoga pretzels, I think is one of the names of the card deck that I have. And you can kind of just like use that, pull out the ones that maybe are not going to suit well. And you just have like a mix of some that are maybe going to be fun or doable for, for your kids. And um, some of them will have some cues on it as well for like breathing through it. Uh, There's books, like there's so many resources, honestly, and lots of them are free. Mm -hmm. If If you Google apps around yoga, kids, yoga, classroom, yoga, mindfulness uh there's lots of downloadable materials online as well um i think one thing to that i was just going to tie in here in terms of of connecting what like your role roles as an adult to what we can do with our kids one one point that i often hear from both parents i'll pause we do have we do do parenting programming as well. Um, so we okay. have a couple of parent programs uh, in our prevention department that can work with parents on setting like behavior plans and um, kind of using research-based strategies to help manage um, behaviors from you know two all the way up to 18. So one thing that I hear from teachers or parents that I work with a lot is the, a struggle time is when there's um, transitions. So transitioning from 
home to school, school to home, even just classroom to cafeteria and then back again or mm-hmm. gym class or, you know, something like that. Those transition periods are can be super challenging. And so using some of these tools of like the yoga poses or breath work or even just pausing for mindfulness um, and YouTube has tons of videos too that are fun for kids and mm-hmm. um, using those as a way to help with transitions. So just pausing like for, you know, one to two minutes prior to a transition and then maybe, you know, in coming back from the transition or to a new setting can be so helpful. It's like helping to regulate the nervous system. And oftentimes I find when I'm role modeling that it's like helping me too because transitions can be hard for us adults too like if i had a teacher lunch hour lunchtime while the kids are in the cafeteria and then now i've got 20 kids back like it's a transition for them but it's a transition for me too. so even just pausing for that you know one to two minutes and doing some sort of collective breath grounding mindfulness a couple of yoga poses Sometimes that in itself can just help to set the tone for what is, you know, next. It regulates everybody's nervous system. When we breathe, it Mm -hmm. switches from our our sympathetic to our parasympathetic nervous system. Um, Like there's so much science and neurology involved in this. And that's part of what I love about it is that it's not just hokey pokey. This breath stuff works, right? We have actual (laughs) scientific research that this affects and impacts the brain. So in, in prevention, like this, the, the idea of mindfulness and stress reduction and, um, you know, even including yoga in schools and classrooms, it, it seems like, how does, how do you make this work? But Mm -hmm. it really makes sense when you think about you know, these idea of protective factors and how can we build some of this emotional regulation, role mod- both role modeling it as an adult and mm-hmm. also helping to teach that. And the younger we can start teaching it, the more successful it is, just like math, reading, tying sure. shoes, right? <laughs> these yeah. are just skills that the younger we can teach the kids, the better and more competent they become. So in yeah. high school, I don't have somebody picking their phone up and chucking it across the room. Yeah. Yeah. They've learned how to like deal with that. Well, thank you so much. I mean, you're giving us just actual tools to use even while we're listening to you talk. And, and, um, for those listening to the podcast, um, you know, I, I think everybody should take five deep breaths while we have the outro of the podcast playing. Um, and while I say thank you, uh, to you for, for joining me on the prevention podcast, um, for Casa Trinity. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. And I could talk about this stuff all day. So it was a pleasure. This podcast was produced by Creagent Marketing and hosted by me, Sean Lukasik. It's made possible by Casa Trinity. Thank you for listening. For more information, visit casa-trinity.org.